Well, Warren Buffett, thank you for talking with The Economist. Um, you've been meeting for the last day or so with about 40 of your signees for the Giving Pledge. Correct. Um, what have you been doing and what's it achieved? Well, we've been trying to get smarter. And, and, uh, uh, and I think uh, virtually all of us would leave this feeling somewhat smarter. We've listened to people talk about their successes, their failures, their worries, their hopes, and, uh, and they're remarkably candid. They're not putting on any airs or no pretensions, and, uh, and we all learn something. So I mean, why do 40 billionaires want to get together and actually uh, well, talk about these issues? They, they, they're going to give away a lot of money, and they'd like to do it as smart, uh, be as smart as possible in doing so. And, uh, and they think by talking to other people who've had a lot of experiences uh, that, that they will come away and uh, do a better job of giving that money away than they would otherwise. I think also the effect is that they may do it sooner and larger than uh, they would have if they hadn't come. I mean, one of the comments that's been made about the Giving Pledge that I, I see quite often is that, you know, a lot of these people would have given away the money anyway, you, maybe, maybe for tax reasons or whatever. Well, not for tax reasons, but you're yeah. absolutely right. Uh, most of the people would clearly would have given away a very substantial part of their fortune. I think there may be some tendency to do it earlier, there may be some tendency to raise the percentage, but these are people that are inclined uh, to give away money to start with. I mean, one of the issues that, that we're, we're wrestling with at The Economist <coughs> at the moment is uh, around this question of tax and you know, to what extent should charity be <coughs> incentivized by the tax system? Do you, do you feel... Matthew, I, hmm. I gave away almost $2 billion last year. I got a deduction for $6 million. So, and that was the deduction, and that saved me maybe two million of tax. So if I had given away six million, I would have gotten the same deduction as giving away two billion. Uh, I think that very few of these people are motivated. They'll, they'll probably, <clears throat> if, they, if they pick a year to give a lot of money, they may do it based partly on their income in that year. But, but I, it, it's, it's a non-event with me, I can tell you that, and I think with most of them. I mean, you've um, talked a lot about Andrew Carnegie's Gospel of Wealth, and, and you were saying that you know, the letters that have been written by each of your signatories kind of a, a modern-day equivalent yeah. of that. I mean, one of the things that sort of strikes me uh, that's different about Carnegie's letter is that he, he saw philanthropy very much in the terms of a, of a social contract, that, that he was worried about the rise of socialism, that the rich, you know, if they didn't give back to society and, and so forth, were under some sort of We're asking threat. for trouble, huh? Yeah, do you feel that's a similar no, thing today no, at all? No, no, I, no, I, I don't think, I believe that somebody in my position who has everything they could possibly want, you know, a, a charmed life, to take a bunch of stock certificates out of a safe deposit box where they've been sitting 40 years, they have no utility to me, zero, no marginal utility. They have all kinds of utility to people all over the world, and whether through medicine or education or, I just think that it'd be, it'd be madness not to do it. But I, I do not see any of the philanthropic activity I run into motivated by some idea that this is going to sort of calm the masses or anything of the sort. I mean, one, one response in the blogosphere to your association with the Buffett rule and so forth has been to say, well, look, why don't you just stop giving all your money to Bill Gates and give it all to the Treasury. Yeah. I mean, how do you how do you evaluate that question? Well, I would call that the McConnell rule. I mean, if, if you have a 1.2 trillion dollar uh, deficit, the idea that it should be cured by voluntary contributions, you know, I, I mean, I 
I like to believe in the goodness of man, but I don't really think that that's the proper response. I think it would be totally diversionary to say, let's handle this by voluntary contributions. And I made that challenge to all of the members of the Republican members of the House and Senate uh, that I would match their contribution and I would triple Senator McConnell's and April 15th has gone by and I had to send $50,000 to the Treasury and I was glad to do it. But it's, it's, it's a foolish response to a very serious problem and there are two aspects of the problem. One is a huge deficit and one which does not raise that much revenue but still significant revenue relates to the fact that 131 of the 400 top incomes in the United States paid a rate of less than 15% uh, income tax when people at the same time were paying a 15.3% payroll tax. But do you actually think in terms of your own money that you're going to get a better rate of return from giving it to Bill and Melinda than you are giving it to the Treasury? I, I, I think that when I can get somebody like Bill and Melinda who work full-time at it, you know, are young, energetic, experienced, you know, smart, using their own money, I think I'm a very lucky guy <laughs> to be able to have them working at the problem. So, so far you've signed up about 80, 81, 81, 81. 81 billionaires, right. and there's still quite a few out there that there's haven't a, been snagged yet. Why do you think that more haven't signed up, well, and what I, are you going to do about that? I'm surprised, Matthew, that we've got 81. I mean, that, that's a lot of people to get, and, and, and bear in mind, we don't have any full-time solicitors out there. I, I make some phone calls, and Bill makes some phone calls, and a few others do. If you'd asked me two years ago, would we have 81, I would, I would not have thought we would have had 81, because there are questions of privacy that some people have. There's questions of, of businesses that are family businesses that they don't want to have broken up, and I, I understand those uh, reasons. I mean, we, we have 81 people who have put up their own version of the gospel of wealth on our, on our website, and they have explained not just people now, but to people who look at that 10 or 20 or 30 years from now, why they came to the conclusion that a significant portion of their wealth should go back to society, and in some cases they tell where it should go. And some of those people, Mark Zuckerberg will be a hero to many young entrepreneurs 20 years from now. Bill Gates will be a hero to others. And, and they will look to those, like I read books when I was in my teens about Rockefeller or Carnegie or whomever. I read a book by Abraham Flexner that had a huge impact on me. You know, who knows which one will hit, but that will affect the norms of behavior, I believe, among the wealthy for decades to come. And I think that's, that, that's terribly important to me. Great. Well, Warren Buffett, thank you very much. Matthew, thank you. Good to see Good to you. See you. Okay. The Economist.